Morning. How are you doing today, Mark? Great, thank you. Having a great day. How about yourself? Fantastic. But, you know, it, it's it's a total honor to sit down and have a conversation with you because I also wrote about my, my high school days and my junior high school days. And it was through those experiences that I became a writer in my own personal life. So to see what you're doing with yours is just mind-blowing. And did you enjoy doing this? Oh, my gosh. What a, what a joy it was. You know, first I wrote it a book, you know, and that was great. And and it was really lovely to to have that experience. And, and that was great. And that came out. And and every day I'd be writing a chapter of the book and I would pass it to my son to read. And he'd be going, what? What happened? How did that happen? I think what would the police call them? Like, no, that's just the 80s. That's what happened. There was no help. And uh, uh, and then. That was a beautiful experience. And then my friend Tim McAuliffe, who was a writer on the TV show The Office, and everyone would know, he suggested we make it into a TV show. And we got uh, uh, Andrew Bernstein, who's the executive producer of Schitt's Creek, another great show. And we put, started putting this thing together. And, you know, I, I think we all think that – I think everybody kind of thinks maybe they're weird in a way. <laughs> and I would think these are too specific. I don't know if people are going to like this, get this or whatever, and you're doing it. And then the more specific things are, the more strange things are, the more people kind of relate to it in an odd way. And I think we're as as odd as we all may be, as different as we all may be, we all have those same hopes and fears uh, and, and worries. And uh, it's great to see people connect with it. Oh, my God. Mark, going into junior high school, that's such a changing time period for so many people because, I mean, that's where it wasn't about elementary school going to the gym and you wore your street clothes. Now we had to wear gym clothes and the girls are wearing what? Oh, my God. And, and I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was crazy that time in my life. Yeah, it's it's so much about self-discovery and then so much about trying to hide what you've discovered, you know, because you want to fit in. And, you know, and and, and this is is a story about some kids, uh, you know, my my character being uh, raised by older parents on the outskirts of town without any kids, other kids around, kind of not really knowing how to interact with these kids. And then my friend, and still my great friend to this day, Richie Perez, he was Filipino. He was the only person of color in that whole school. So he was another outcast. And then this girl, Fox, who comes from this family of bullies and she is expected to be you know a bully like her older brothers and the teachers kind of have her put in a box but she's actually kind of sweet and sensitive and she's afraid to show that so and then they find each other these three kids and then it's kind of like almost having in a lifeboat yeah. and going through life together that uh, you have that little support you know and and that gives you a little bit of courage to to be more and more of yourself and, and and to get some wind in your sail. Man, I'm very jealous of you and Richie being friends even today because my friend Tony hated the fact that I even mentioned him in my book. And and he just goes, oh, no, I didn't want to be a part of this. And I said, you were. We lived this. And and it, and it really, it's a story that has to be shared, Tony. No, he he dropped me. like I was totally no. ghosted. Yeah, I was totally well, ghosted. Well, what I did was I, I changed a lot of names and stuff. And in the book, if people read it, Richie isn't really obviously Richie because I thought, well, he was the only kid of color. So if I say like the Filipino kid, everybody's going to know yeah. it was Richie, you know? So I switched things around and, 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 and what have you. And Fox is the nickname of the bully, but I didn't give her my I, I bully slash love interest, but I didn't give her really the book. And then afterwards uh, we did the show. I was like, well, it's going to be obvious. It's a Filipino kid. It's you. <laughs> so I, I approached him and he was really into it. Nice. And he was so into it. He was honored and so excited. And he was part, you know, came in, talked to all the writers and stuff, and we had a great conversation. And then it was really important to tell his story authentically and truthfully to me because, you know, how hard that was back in those days. We live, especially in Canada, is a very diverse place now. But back in those days, you know, it wasn't so great to be the only kid of a different background. And um, 
so we're telling his story and he loved it so much that he actually got a tattoo of the show logo oh. on his arm, <laughs> which meant the world to me. But I immediately thought I better not screw this up now. Like it was like season, episode six and he got the tattoo. I'm like, oh man, I hope he, I hope we don't have a falling out. That would be awkward for me. But yeah. So that's when I knew I was doing it well that I have his blessing that I'm okay. Where along the writing line did you decide to start doing this? Mine was I was in the 11th grade sitting on a bus going to the Career Center in Billings, Montana. I said, I got to write a book. I, I, I have to. Where did you start yours? I first started writing. Um, <clears throat> I had a, I was in a clown workshop as a kid. Really? That oh my God. So that, that'll tell you a lot about me, right? <laughs> and this other guy, Stephen McGraw was there. And so we were like, killing the clown workshop like we were the ones who really wanted to be there and he's like hey i know about these older guys who have a sketch comedy troupe and we should start a sketch comedy troupe so we did we started writing sketches and then we went down and booked out a theater but it was a, a it was the longshoreman protective union hall so i come from a place where uh, the place i live was founded on the fishery so this was for longshoremen so we booked the longshoreman's hall and, and had put off a cabaret night and they let us because they didn't care. And so it was there was a booze being served at this thing. And, and there was a cabaret and a lot of fishing boats in the harbor. And these guys would come up from the boats uh, from other countries and they see the word cabaret. They weren't expecting 15 year old kids to be doing sketch comedy. <laughs> and anyway, so we, we write this thing. And even though it's, it's a weird scene, you're writing something and you performed it and yep. somebody paid for it. And it's the biggest rush. And for me, I always just want to write things my own story write yes. my own thoughts and perform it and that's what i want to do for people and I, I never wanted to be like i mean i'm on a sitcom now on the cw but i didn't want to you know audition to be the neighbor on a sitcom or anything like that i always wanted to tell my story and tell the stories of people from where i live and things like that um and it's and it's just been the whole point of my life now is doing this. I can't imagine doing anything else. Well, see, you, you, you've already lived it. And that, that to me is exactly why I love to write and then bring it to the radios because if you're using your own personal experiences to reach out to other people and they're going, oh my God, that's happened to me too. I love this guy. Yeah, well, people don't realize. I mean, I think when you share these things and they may be, what I found is the things that are probably the most deeply personal are things that connect with people. And the real things that are in the show are the ones that people say, oh, I that that I really like that moment or that thing. And that's because it's real. And there's something about truth and shared experience that kind of br shines brighter uh, and and is and you can kind of pick up on it. I don't know why. All I know is that that's been my experience is when people say, I love this moment. That's always a true moment yeah. um, from a memory. And I think I think you can f sense it. I don't know how, but I think you can. I was the shortest kid in my in my age group all the way through uh, junior high. So I always had to try to prove myself that I that there was something big in me. Uh, and did you do anything weird? Because I, I broke the sit up record at the school. Did you do anything weird to get that attention? Well, I would um, do like my big thing was like assemblies, like yeah. trying to get on to get some time and perform, you yeah, know, yeah. which seems like a suicide mission today. But when you go back, I think you're so full of possibility at that age like I, I look back and I go well, why wasn't I worried I'd be more embarrassed but you have this count like in your mind to be like it'll be okay and you go out there and you do it and thank god it was but it was that was my big flex I, I couldn't do sports I couldn't do any of that but I I I 
for me, it was, this was my time to do this just to see how it would go. And I had to get it out of me. Like there was people always say like, oh, my kid is interested in this stuff. And what, what advice would you give them? And my advice would be, you can always do this, you know, in, 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 in another circle, like in, with uh, a, amateur theater or or what have you or just get up and do an open mic night yeah but if you're going to pursue it as a career like it has to be the thing that is inside you dying to get out it's a, it's a you have to be able like it doesn't matter like when i got into this i didn't care if i'd be necessarily successful or put, didn't think about putting food on the table or things like that it's just like i had to do this this is who i am this is what i want to be and it was that kind of drive as luckily it's worked out and that and i've been able to make a living at it and, and raise a family and things like that but uh if it's kind of like if you have no other choice then do it you'll be fine the greatest thing about son of a critch is the fact that this is the type of show where literally i'll sit with my wife watching it on the cw and nothing else is going on we're not sitting there on our smartphones we're not sitting there trying to figure out what's going on with other rooms in the house but it really brings people together because it's a conversation starter mark oh that's great to hear well one thing i've learned is another thing people will tell me that the um when i first aired up here in canada um they would say that families would watch it like when it was actually on television not stream it or, or pvr it but they'd be and and then the kids would say oh that was good watch another one and the parents that's would it. be like you can't you can't you had to wait a week and like what and and so the, the parents would start to watch and the parents will watch it for the nostalgia and, and, and from their own memories but the kids will watch it because that's still what they're going through it's still feeling like an outsider it's still being afraid to tell the girl you like her it's still what have you and so the kids watch it thinking it's a show for them the parents thinking it's a show for them and each person thinking they're watching the other person's show, you know, and then they'll have a conversation about it afterwards. Wow. And I think it's a, uh, it's a lo lovely thing. Biggest compliment I got in the, the, the nuns made me play the cello because I was <laughs> the right height when I was a kid. And, and then and the cello was stolen by these bullies. I had to get it back. It was a whole thing. And I hated playing the cello because it was forced upon me, but then I kind of liked it anyway. Um, I was at a restaurant and this couple next to me said, excuse me, uh, you're Mark, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. They said, well, we watched the show and this year for Christmas, only thing my kid wants is a cello. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, why? He goes, because they, he saw it on your show and he really connects to the character and he wants to be like Mark and get a cello. And I said, that's amazing. Don't do that. Uh, like, like, it's it's a giant target on the playground unless he really wants to do music but it was interesting to see that this person had connected and was looking at this character as as, as that much that they connected with them and that's that's the biggest kind of compliment i think i could ever get on 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 the show or, or writing well what's so fascinating about it is that yes it does bring up some childhood memories but the thing is though is that i i i attract myself to the stories because i'm thinking like an adult now and it's like okay what would i have done if i would have been mark in that situation situation as an adult how would you have handled that situation because i was i was from the south side of billings and dude we weren't good kids we we were out to just have some fun that's all you know like, like hooky, yeah hooky bobbing on a car that was so illegal for us to do that did you do that up in canada <laughs> Uh, is that is that when you're hanging from the back of the car? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, oh yeah. We would do that. We we used to call that getting a cling, get oh. a cling on the back of the car. Because you'd cling the back of it. Now I don't know why, but but yeah, you'd be dragged behind or buses or stuff like that. Yeah. You don't really see that these days. I don't know if kids are less adventurous or if they're just smarter. But um, thanks, my God. But you know what? I never heard of anyone dying that. Way. 
Right, so, exactly. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I was just remembering getting a cling, and I was just thinking, would I do that today if I had a exactly, <laughs> I, exactly. I had opportunity? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's it's scary enough just to get into the car. Now, for you to be so open with your stories, how how long does it take for you to give yourself permission to say, "Hey, look, okay, I'm going to share this for an episode." Well, I think at first I thought of it more, and then. It, it it's, seems odd. I mean, nobody's really asked me that before, so I'm thinking about that for the first time. In some ways, I think of the show as almost like a diary. Yeah. And and it's, I don't mind anymore because I, I've i lost that worry because I, 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 I've had so many people come up to me and say they like it, first of all, but also say that it, it reminds them of things that happened to them and, and that they commiserate about these things. And so I, I've kind of given myself permission just – and I've learned, man, be truthful, yeah. you know, because yeah. it it's what people react best to. And it's also they can sense it. And and it, and that's where those shared experiences, we all think of ourselves as this unique thing. And we are. And it's lovely. But also we've all go through the same thing. We all have the same worries is what I've learned with this. And it doesn't matter if you're you're the you know, the captain of the football team, mm-hmm. you probably still at times think that you're unpopular or you're, or you're nervous about things or, or you're trying to be this person that you're not really and all these things. So everybody's going through the same thing. They just mask it differently. And, uh, and that's been a, a real gift and it's been really helpful that way. And, um, you know, this season we have an episode about being caught with a, a porn magazine. Oh God. Uh, day, <laughs> which is like, that one was kind of like, Oh, I don't want to tell that story, but it's like, it's actually, it's super embarrassing. And the fact that was super embarrassing. And then of course, everybody has that same uh, memory. And I remember, yeah, this guy, older guy in school had one hidden under a rock <laughs> in the woods. And we had to go like up in the woods and he had this one hidden under a rock and like, Oh, it had been, it was wet. It was falling apart. There were bugs in it. The the colors had drained out of the paper, but it was still like your first glimpse. Nowadays, I mean, you can see whatever right. the heck you want on the phone. Well, back in those days, you had to know a guy who had one hidden under a rock That's in right. the woods. That's you know right. I mean? Oh, my and God. that was and the mystery of that and everything. So I was like, OK, I'm going to tell that one. So that was the only one really this year that I was like, oh, <laughs> it's embarrassing. But. It's not once you realize nothing is embarrassing to me now. Once you realize that everybody's has also been through it, yeah. they just don't talk about it. Wow, Mark, you've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Oh my God! I and I'm, I, I, I I want to read your book. It's it's called Halloween '78. If you were to Google my name, Arrow Collins, uh, it's but it's called Halloween '78. And uh, one day, right. sometime in the future, I would love to sit down with you and let and let you see that I still have it in pencil and it and it and it's preserved. And it started in the 11th grade. Oh, I can't wait to read it. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again, Arrow. It's really been a real, uh, real uh, joy. Will you be brilliant today, okay, sir? Thank you. And you too, my friend.